Ronnie Landis here, and welcome to another edition of the official Ronnie Landis podcast show. I want to direct your attention, if this is your first time or if you've been an avid listener to this podcast, to my Holistic Health Mastery Nutrition Certification course. I am the founder of this, and this was a project that I had started about one year ago in Sedona, Arizona. And this was just a passion project. This was a project for me to take my first book, The Life Food Peak Performance System, which is a 700-page book that I'm currently rewriting right now to chunk it down to about 500 pages. But I had the inspiration to take that whole volume of information and to distill it into a video curriculum and make it into a membership site. And over the evolution of that idea... I decided to create a holistic health mastery certification course and that has evolved and and progressed into something I could never have anticipated before. The way it's changed my life is incredible, but the feedback that we get from it, how it's influencing other people's health quest, how it's changing their perspective, their perceptual filters, their paradigms around raw living foods and superfood nutrition and tonic herbalism and detoxification and cleansing protocols, hormone balance, neurological health and neurological nutrition and so much more, especially how it's changing the career directive of people. I've noticed that there's a lot of people that are fed up with their jobs, their J-O-Bs. They're just over broke. Their vocation, their career, they're not living totally in alignment with their passion and their purpose. And an educational course like this has allowed them the confidence, the knowledge, and also the education on how to become an effective entrepreneur and health coach and has given them that that foundation so they could go out and start amazing careers in service of other people. So go to HolisticHealthMastery.com, check it out, and if it resonates, then uh, I encourage you to jump in head first. Okay, so today's episode is featuring a really, really great individual, a really great guy by the name of Mason J. Taylor. He is from Australia, and him and me had been connecting with each other back and forth over recent years. I was actually on his podcast a while ago, The Mason Taylor Show, which I I definitely recommend everybody check out, not just for my interview, but for everybody else that he's interviewing. He is a rocket. He is a supernova. He is on the rise, and his level of humility, core humility, is refreshing and also he's highly educated, has a broad spectrum of perspective when it comes to the health and nutrition and overall lifestyle design conversation. He's not one way or another. He can see the distinctions very much like me, which is why we get along so well and have so many monumentous conversations like the one we did in this interview. And I'm just really excited to bring him to all of you. 
This conversation took a number of directions. We dove into the philosophy that's guiding him on his personal health quest, his curiosity, his inquisitive curiosity to continue diving into the depths of human performance and peak potential, and also getting into what he believes would be activating the human blueprint, the human health blueprint. And really just going into the details and his perspectives and opinions about that. We just had an amazing conversation and I know that you're going to all enjoy it. So sit back, get a snack, uh, make an herbal tonic maybe, and enjoy Mason Taylor. Mason Taylor is a health advocate, professional speaker, tonic herb enthusiast, and writer who inspires and teaches people to once again become enchanted with their body, life, and health through his retreats, podcasts, mentoring, and events. He shows by the way of example how we can take responsibility for dramatically increasing our health through creating an empowering personal culture. Welcome to the podcast, Mason. Thanks so much, Ronnie. Awesome to be on with you. Yeah, man. It's really an honor to have you on. And, you know, I was looking over your website and one thing caught my attention that I actually wanted to share with the audience as we, as a introduction, a further introduction for what we're going to be discussing. I was looking at your mission statement. Mm-hmm. And I really love it, and I just wanted to share the first paragraph with everyone so they can get a little more of an intimate and expanded perspective of what you know what you're all about and and what you're uh, putting into the world. <clears throat> Thank you. Okay, so Mason Taylor's uh, mission statement reads just like this. My mission is the creation of a culture that allows for the absolute embodiment of the human experience for everybody. Has people be, be embodied and enchanted with life. To have us all feel the unified living system of the body and know that we are not separate from, that we are the body. This takes the angst away from life and having to achieve anything. It becomes an adventure and discovery of ourselves. It allows for you to take a stand in demonstrating an absolute embodiment of the human experience, fortifying your tissue, reactivating and nurturing the heart and aligning the body and soul. It's great, man. Really love it. <laughs> Thank you. It's interesting. I haven't hadn't read that for some time. Um, and it's uh, just really nice getting that feedback. You tell you the truth, it's kind of like a little bit of my own medicine right now, which is <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, we um, I was on your show a few months back, and we got to really dive into some really juicy territory. And I got a better feel for what is on your mind and where you're coming from in terms of the, the health, culture, um, your, a little bit of your perspectives on holistic health and nutrition, on focusing on really the body temple as, as a, a vehicle opposed to some kind of like entropic de- break, you know, uh, debilitation, um, uh, I guess the way to say it is um, some, kind of, some kind of vessel that is subject to 
entropically break down at some point, right? Because that is kind of the cultural consensus that we have. And that's the program that most people are running under is that everything is based on entropy. Everything is going to break down eventually. Even if you have the best diet, even if you have, you know, A, B, C, and D, you're going you're gonna to break down eventually. That program is, is like a seed of a virus that's playing on in the, the motherboard of humanity, if you will. And I really like where you come from is that, you know, it doesn't necessarily have to be that, right? You don't actually have to break down if you do the right things for yourself and, you know, you, you take care of yourself, essentially. You can actually push the boundaries of human potential. That's what I get from you anyways. That's where I think that you're going. Um, your message is, is alluding to. So uh, what do you have to say about that? Yeah, absolutely. I'm pushing the boundaries of human potential. Um, I've, I've definitely ridden the waves of that statement and what those words are approximating. And uh, mm. I've just been diluting it down so much to riding the waves of my own potential, which um, when I when I bring it back to myself and I come back into checking with you know my my own living system, um, and I, and I will constantly keep on saying that. I mean, a lot of people check in in order to uh, discover for themselves how to navigate seemingly through trying to tune in with more um, subtle aspects of themselves. Um, you know, like a lot of people will call say a higher self. I'll probably refer to in this as may, possibly. Um, your um, infinite self or your um, traveling essence. Um, <laughs> however, I definitely, um, have, along this journey, have continued to come back and learning to navigate through a very deep connection with my physicality and my biology. And it is really that that task has been really serving me well and has opened up a big can of worms of adventure in my life. And so... Coming back to the only reference point that I personally really, really resonate with as a place to take that stand, being my physical and exploring that realm, I've really I've, I've diluted it down, as I said, into like exploring my own potential. And along that journey, I've definitely had to go about releasing a lot of the conditioning that's come about through having an idea of what potential is. I mean, going through traditional schooling, being surrounded by... Um, ideology of um, various kinds, you very much get this infusing of what your innate possibility for potential is, which has never actually been done or discovered before. It's yours purely there for you to go on the adventure to discover, rather than something which you know I've kind of having had to shed and I've watched a lot of people have to shed as well, is um, a dictation of what your potential is in kind of mm. falling falling into adhering to a particular set of principles or rules or beliefs or habits or whatever it is. And, of course, a lot of people will see how obvious that is in terms of looking at, say, like a um, religious or, or social structure. But we definitely get in the dietary world, um, world as well where people um, and lifestyle world where people will see and like say for example in the you know hardcore movement world there's somewhat of a you can check the box of exploring your potential if you are uh, begin to master say um, a particular animalistic crawl done the exact way that the people on the pretty people in the videos do it or the handstand or whatever it is likewise dietary if you I don't know what's the hottest one now is if you kind of like run with like a um, a bulletproof paleo um, candida kind of diet 
synergy. That seems to be what a lot of people are doing now and really kind of like checking those boxes and nailing that. And, um, and I've definitely fallen into that loop a lot of the times along the creation of my lifestyle as I've chosen to actually get into a sovereign and empowered state of creating my culture rather than adhering to and leaning on cultures that have been um, given to me um, and taking parts and leaving parts by my own choice and my own desires and yeah letting go of those you know like and coming back and remembering purely of starting back at that zero point of possibility consistently and constantly about what my potential is and that immediately drains away all ideas I think that have been really riddled my mind in the health game a lot of time about just how much vitality or energy or how exactly my diet should look how much I should and shouldn't be eating and all that shit fight of information that comes with this scene and really come back to literally taking myself and everything else off the pedestal and just simply engaging in that adventure. So, yeah, absolutely. You, you hit it on the head. That's where I'm at. Yeah. Okay. So this is a really interesting um, directive to take is that you and me both share very similar philosophical undertones, if you will, in terms of our perspective on quote-unquote diet. Um, I don't really like to, to promote that word, although that's the most colloquial uh, term that people adhere to, so we'll just use it with no, any, no connotation associated with it. But in terms of uh, a culture, I like that, that term because now in the health world, in the internet world, that is pretty much what we're seeing is a culturing of congregated human beings that are all coming together under an umbrella, say it be the bulletproof umbrella, or it be the 80-10-10 umbrella, it be the, uh, you know, the paleo umbrella or whatever, right? Those are all just terms and definitions. And it's, it's just a fascinating thing for me to look at without any judgment, just to observe, like, you know, it's kind of like people, they will lift a banner or they'll lift a flag. It's almost like a bipartisan, or I should say what comes out of that is like a bipartisan flag-bearing um, kind of behavior where, you know, eventually you get so entrenched into that culture, you ferment into that culture, if you will, to the point where you become so identified with it that anything that antagonizes, it agitates your paradigm of that, or it just simply um, goes in a different direction, that flag, you put that flag up in opposition to other ideas, right? So I think mm -hmm. you and me have talked about this, and, and kind of our generation is kind of coming to this place where we, we, we're creating this, like, this, this non-homogenized sovereign culture, but it doesn't really exist under any definitive banner, if you will, that we can raise in, in opposition to something else. We're kind of like weaving all the best parts of every single camp or every single philosophy and really essentially what actually works and what's worked for us and what we've seen work for the greatest amount of people and just somehow weaving it all together. Does that fit for you? Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think it's fun, right? Like, <laughs> that's, like honestly, that's kind of the rag. Like, I, I think we both have like a, a similar terminology for say like the phenomena of when 
um, you know, for when I, for me, with when I kind of like finally had this time when I snapped into my body and realized that the junk food and excessive amount of booze and the way that I was living really wasn't supporting me, and kind of got a little bit scared to tell you the truth because I was. Um, um, it happened when I was on a bus in Bolivia, and it was like ten in the morning, and I couldn't get my head off the window because I was like really exhausted, and my adrenals were like at that point of like you know where I would like say they are officially exhausted, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. beyond tired. And I was a young man that was really weird for me in terms of what I kind of knew was possible for me. And at the same time, I had some fungus coming out of my arm and these kinds of things. And like most people, I kind of just was a little bit concerned and then I'd just kind of brush it under the, the mat and just be like, yeah, well, you know, it's okay, I'll get some something for it and it'll go away eventually like it has before. But then I kind of, um, I, I had a connection to the underlying currents of that and that got me kick-started into that, what we might call a transitional diet where I really stripped back anything that was going to be causing an excess of acidity or inflammation, et cetera, et cetera, and went down. I, I kind of, I'm pretty happy. I never went too fanatical, although I did have very strong convictions about my opinion at the time of what was the correct human diet for, for humanity and, and for humans in, in general, especially this one that, I'm, that I am carne as right now. Um, but, you know, I, I started to mature a lot, in my opinion. I'm kind of glad that I didn't go out waving my, um, you know, my pitchfork so much about, you know, exactly, you know, like in, in, in the sense of like, you know, this is, this is how critical green juice and, um, and raw foods are for everybody, you know, like cooked foods being poison or anything like that. Um, I kind of, yeah, I'm, I'm grateful to myself that I was somewhat humble in those days and I've allowed my, um, my message to mature as uh, as I've matured, but then you know, like as I as I got to that point where I was off my transitional diet, and, and at, at that point, I kind of feel like I was a little bit in the safe zone, and it was really marked and measured for me when I felt my immune system for the first time, which was a phenomenal experience. Um, and I, you know, at the time, I'd been working with medicinal mushrooms and cold showers, and you know, digging into the um, the cobwebs of my emotional baggage and moving very functionally and all of a sudden something kicked in and my own physical perception really came came in and you know it was quite shocking to me when I experienced a system which you know we've never been taught as a possibility to actually perceive. And at that point I've I somewhat just felt safe, not cocky like I'm never gonna get sick. Um but I I just felt like I'd experienced somewhat of a sweet spot and I came out of that what has been called a transitional diet into somewhat of, you know, what people have called and I've called, which I kind of now repeating it seems a bit boring, being the maintenance diet. (laughs) And at that time, I allowed the maintenance diet to be just that, something of maintenance. And I got quite bored shitless, to tell you the truth. And so I, um, I was, I... Okay, I'll be a little. I'll, I'll, you know, I'll just strip bare. I um, you know, in those days, I was becoming a health educator and doing workshops and these kinds of things. And I'd have these opinions, not that I wanted to push on people, but I wanted to share. And I just found myself sometimes driving along. I'd just kind of be um, a, a thought would come to mind, and I'd just start sharing it, like I was at a workshop, just mm-hmm. you know, just practicing. I like doing that. Um, I still do that. Um, more now in, in terms of dictation, things, <laughs> ideas I get for, for books. And 
I'd find myself being my own devil's advocate at the end of saying something <laughs> and I'd pick myself apart and and I'd just sit there going, holy shit, like there's, there's I, I don't even need anyone else to come in and point like poke holes in my opinions and it got it, it got quite overwhelming for me at some time because I was still years ago was trying to get a platform um, and a system that I could share with people that they could use and and I kind of forced myself into getting so real about the fact that dude you haven't even been out there you know one percent to the extent on the adventure that would merit me very um satisfied within myself with where I'm at for my own diet. Now, don't get me wrong, that doesn't undermine the fact that I was very satisfied and still feeling absolutely incredible and healthy, um, having a body that works for me. And yet, I, so like, for example, I had somewhat of an opinion about bread, right? Or like, or alcohol. Very easy to have an opinion on that, especially if you're talking from the context of people who are heavily um, acidic and overrun with, say, um, uh, insulin receptors being down or um, a microbiome that isn't at its best, or et cetera, et cetera, you know, majority of the population. So obvious that most of the people advocating health are going to be strictly against these things, like coffee and alcohol and breads and gluten and those kinds of things. But I kind of realized I didn't understand bread and I was kind of bored about just saying I didn't like bread. And I was thinking I'd never actually been to a... Uh, um, I'd never actually been into a, a bakery, someone doing it well, um, with a proper, you know, like at least 24-hour fermentation, had an actual understanding of the yeast and their psychology and knew how to introduce it and call it in and use natural plants that we, you know, things, such, such things as antivirals and placed around the place to stop other invading bacteria from getting in. And um, I'd never been to... I never looked into ancient cultures and the way that they worked with those bacterial spirits that they called in to ferment their grain and what role it actually played within the tribe at their particular time. Now, some places, you know, it's, bread's not a necessary aspect of, um, of the, the human diet, absolutely. And I know a lot of people that understand the beauty of it and still just don't need it or want it. And I've definitely been there and you know, continue to be there. But I just got struck by the adventurous spirit that I had to go, maybe go and actually experience it, not come back and say, I actually think it should be in the diet or I actually think it shouldn't be in the diet, whatever. I really don't give a crap what people eat anymore. However, that enticed in me back up an enchantment with something which obviously has had a very significant place in the human family because of just how warm and fuzzy it makes us feel. And I know there's a very dark side to that, but I never think it's anything is purely dark. I think like most things, um, like, you know, it can go for as big as the, the, the human community and human culture or the financial system, or it can come down to something like bread or pasta of alcohol. We've been fed the toxic mimic. We possibly haven't had the opportunity to interact with the core living essence of what any of these phenomena actually are. And I found it very enchanting and exciting to just begin to have the uh, let that desire out to go and discover it, discover it if there happened to be an innate desire to do so. Mm. <clears throat> That's fantastic. I, um, a number of things came up for me. In that, um, one thing I want to touch on really quickly, which I think is from a from an educational or or 
an accelerated learning perspective. You touched on something which is so powerful for me personally because I just recently re-invited myself, if you will, back into my inquisitive nature, which mm. is, I, you know, just a little quick story aside, a couple of weeks ago, I, I went to my friend Nathaniel's house in Berkeley when I, when I left uh, Kauai to go visit, and it turned out David Wolf was in the house when I walked in, right? <laughs> so that ensued a two and a half hour conversation between him, me and a few friends. And we were locked in this closet of a room talking about some really just crazy rabbit hole stuff. And something clicked into me. It wasn't even about what we were talking about. Something cracked in my, my, my um, psychological barrier where I realized like, man, I need to go deeper. Like I need to I need to activate my inquisitive nature, my, my curiosity. I need to go deeper and deeper into the things that I'm, I'm looking at, the things that I'm interested in. Like I want to understand on a much more visceral level what it is that I'm doing. So for me personally, that would be localized in the nutrition and health and physiology and anatomy and di- the, the entire digestive apparatus in neurology and, and all the things that pique my interest, all the things that I, I profitize about, essentially. You know, you talked about bread. I certainly have had my little riffs and raps about bread and lectures and stuff. And But you brought up a really, you brought up a great point about it, which I've arrived at that kind of similar um, place, is that there's always, there's always um, an X factor built into everything. There's always a contrast to everything. There's never just one perspective there's never just one color on the color wheel you have to be able to see every single shade and variation of color on the full the full bandwidth or spectrum in order to truly understand something to have a real perspective on it and that's what I really like about you that's the humility I see in you and just just having the spirit or having the archetype of even an entrepreneur or just a, a student in general, even though you're out there teaching and I know you're, you're great at it. And I think what makes you so fantastic at what you do is that core humility that you've, you've built into your own mainframe, if you will. Mm. Yeah. Thanks, man. Um, yeah. And actually you, you just like what you bringing, bringing that up and going a little bit deeper. Um, yeah, I, was, I just I just had David Wolf on my show actually like last week, nice. and so I kind of feel like I might know some of those those topics <laughs> that you're talking about. It's the mo- yeah, I, I um I don't want to go too far into a side, but I, I have to share this just between you and me, and I guess everyone listening. I um this is the greatest example of synchronicity. I'm I have there's a there's a, a health food store down the street from my house here in on Kauai. I'm in Kauai, Hawaii. And I'm sitting on my phone texting a friend of mine that we used to go to all the longevity conferences with, right? And he brings up the name Len Foley and starts asking me these questions about Len because me and Len are friends. And, and I had no knowledge that Len and his family and the longevity crew actually were on the island. And I kid you not, as soon as I get the text message, I look up and Len and the whole team walk into the, the store and they look right at me, and we're, it was just like one of those weird, like, do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do moments, and, um, yeah, but, but that topic that, um, 
that we're referring to. That was the main topic of discussion. So I, I just wanted to throw that out there for fun. Mm-hmm. Right, yeah, we both know what that is. Yeah, it's um, <laughs> it's definitely yeah, it's definitely nice to ride those waves, isn't it? Synchronicity. Yeah, and also yeah. going down, going down the rabbit holes, and um, yeah, well, what what I was what I was going to be pointing to is um, you know what I got curious about, you know, like what you were just like kind of like pointing to is that um, I guess that's somewhat place that you know that a lot a lot of people get to in many areas of life, and you know, so like with the the question of what's healthy, um, it gets so mm-hmm. many people. I'm sure you get this as well, yes. right? to you or coming up to you going like man it's so confusing like like there's so many different opinions and this is something that I've questioned like ever since I was playing my own heckler in the car and I'd be like man those are both very good points very you know strong legs to stand on they're both true they both counter the crap out of each other you know how how can that be and you know, there's there's quotes such as the rate of first rate, um, the the measure of first rate intelligence is to be able to hold two opposing ideas yes, in your mind yes. at the same time and still function. And I I value that a lot. And then, but I, I wanted I was kind of thinking deeper. And you now I just because I'm so in the health world, I, I I think about people who are say um, I don't know they fall into particular archetypes for me, which I find fascinating. And I definitely have my own um, archetype as well. And I, I think about, you know, a particular aspect of the vegan community, another aspect and say like the hacking community or paleo or the people who kind of tend towards like a breatharianism and ultra alkaline and somewhat detached from the body altogether. And, and, I've, and I've, just, I've just been fascinated about how I can watch. So still I put myself in the student category consistently and I and I sometimes I just go back and pretend I'm at the beginning of my journey and I'll just watch videos um that are on YouTube with general people who have general opinions and I'm like man these are really they make a lot of sense <laughs> like mm. or it appeals to my my gut oh yeah it really feels right to me and um it just fascinated me so much and so I've been questioning that for some time how that can be so mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. I've you know, I, for me, I found a lot of um, ease as I've delved further into Taoist practices and got some, I guess, more appropriate language for explaining various multi-layered, multi-dimensional facets and elements of the body. And one of those has been the three dantians, the three brains. You know, like living in the the mind up up top, and you know, correlating correlating into the the frontal lobe, and then the brain of the physical heart, and then the brain of our lower dantian, yes. which correlates yes. in with our microbiome and our gut. And considering those as brains, has I've spent seems very obvious. They all think all different ways of thinking, and I've just been meditating on a lot and. Thinking about, you know, I was talking to another friend of mine who's a communication expert, and he, he consistently says that when we say, I believe, you know, say whether someone's talking about a dietary or lifestyle paradigm, I believe this. He's like, I is a collective pronoun. And you are assuming by saying I with whoever is saying that I, whichever part of you is saying that I, that every single aspect, minute aspect of yourself is in exact resonance with that statement and that it is true. 
And there are always aspects of you that are like, you know, whether it's a little wounded child aspect or a part of you that's instinctually or ancestrally, although muffled, is going, well, no, no, like that's that's not actually good for me. You know, there's always a part of you in that assumed collective, in that collective pronoun, in that assumption that everyone's on board with this is the way you eat or you have to live like this or you have to stick your finger up at the system like this. There's parts that are just like, nah, dude, that doesn't work for us. That doesn't work for this organ. That doesn't work with this little string of meridians that are down here or this aspect of your cellular matrix or whatever it is. And that got me excited because that got me back onto the exploration train of... um, actually having a bit more of a grounded exploration of myself and again having a grounded explore, exploration of my physiology rather than allowing my personal explore, exploration to be somewhat aloof and so I've, I've been thinking about these three brains more and more and more and um, I'm sorry if this is really obvious to some people but I, I, I like these basics and the, this simplicity always makes me the most excited because you know following the um, you know like a lot of my mentors over the years have kind of like had that coy smile as I just brush over the basics and think yeah got it and then let's go to the advanced stuff they're always like they, they know you're going to be back there realizing that that is uh infinite rabbit hole those basics and that you know if you if you actually have the patience and the will to sit in those uh those fundamental aspects of life and health or whatever it is i mean think about that brain up at the top in the mind very obvious very logical very linear i love my brain i love my mind um i love the morals that emerge from it and i can see the way that I've worked, whether it's the way I've conditioned myself or been conditioned by institutions and amalgamation of both those things, that there are many areas of my life where I can actually drop in and feel that there is somewhat of an excess or domination of that linear aspect of thinking coming through and, um, and at times can get very moral, um, which you know I guess can cross over into um, ethics and a lot of argument of where ethics emerge from. But you know that's where morals can run wild for me then i start thinking about the heart and i've done a lot of work with you know looking at that that physiology of the heart and there's places like heart math that delve right into it and i much prefer stephen harrod um Buna's, um work on it and that is very much going into the, an aspect of physical perception of the electromagnetic reality that's occurring around you and somewhat of approaching a new situation or coming to the conclusion of an action based on appropriateness on what's occurring right then in that moment. And obviously that can then, for me, evolve into being very much of a, um, an action of passion at the same time. And then feeling into that lower Dantian. Um, that, you know, that like right in the in the guts of the abdomen there, where majority of the meridians cross over and create a brilliant epicenter of power, and feeling that correlation there to the microbiome and the bacteria, obviously it's a place where instinct arises from, and it makes sense to me that that is it, where the instinct arises from. At the same time, correlated to that occipital lobe where our ancestral memory, which I feel lives in our mitochondria where that exists, where we remember what it is like to live on this planet, where we remember uh, what we need in order to meet our baseline, um, our needs, uh, in order to, for lack of a better word, survive. And I start thinking about different aspects of my life or different times when I've got excited about a particular 
movement practice that has I feel purely coming from my lower Dantian and pure memory. This is how you move. This is it. And I know, I know a lot of people have discussed in the movement world who um, have, you know, we've spoken about this as well. They're like, yeah, I really got carried away with that. You, you have to move like this, like an animal. You, you need to be indigenous. You need to be primal. Now, I don't disagree with that. However, with an excess of that lower Dantian way of thinking, you get just that, an excess, and you come out of balance. Um, a lot of the time I've, I've felt myself, especially in my spiritual work, coming excessively from my heart, allowing that to dip into my diet and take me into a place of, I guess, just a pure perception of what's around me in this very moment without allowing myself to ground into an actual ancestral memory of what my cells and what my system needs and also a logical map making of, you know, this is actually what makes the most sense in order to go forward from here. And right now, through accessing my vagus nerve, which unifies all of these aspects mm -hmm. of my being, these three brains of ways and thinking, very simply just chilling out and bringing that so, bringing in a, a creation of my culture that consistently prioritizes myself being in a particular flow where I'm getting things done effectively so I'm not stressing out, where I'm consistently ensuring that I'm measuring my results because that's something that I've, I've, I'm have i still endeavoring to do because that stresses me out when I don't feel like I'm moving forward and ensuring that I've got a high prioritization um, with intention of practices that ease me back into that space of relaxation, whether that's just time spent on walkabout, you know, just chilling with the elements around me or learning guitar or to sing or whatever that is and then allowing that relaxation to be not only systemic but especially in the vagus nerve and it very much helps including the vagitonic tonic herbs within my diet as well to assist that easing of that central part of the nervous system the um, the cranial nerve um, that has then allowed me to feel a calling upon asking different aspects of my being that part of me that's ancestral, that remembers, this is what your biology needs. Then coming up away from that place of instincts, integrating that opinion into, um, say, like a mind-based approach of like, you know, we've looked at the research. We know what's needed to exist in this world and in this matrix. This is my opinion there. And then coming back to a unifying um, conclusion from the heart in levels of appropriateness in what's gentle, in what I'm actually going to enjoy and allow all those opinions to have their song without one running amok and going into excess, which none of them really want to do. They all want to be active as far as I'm concerned. So that's where I'm at with my personal explore, um, exploration right now and allowing my own personal culture to be created from that space rather than simply the, the logic and morals or simply, um, you know, instinct and ancestors, hunter-gatherer, but uh, an amalgamation of all of them. Mm. Beautifully put. It, uh, the phrase, head in the clouds, feet on the ground, comes to mind very strongly after hearing that. And mm. I think that's just a natural um, trajectory that, that many people go through, definitely myself included, where you've gone through the rigmarole, 
you've gone through the different stages and platforms and ideologies and philosophical directives that you can through the whole, again, through the whole, the whole color spectrum. And then you arrive at a place of holistic, holographic understanding where you actually see that everything is woven together very nicely and everything fits together some way, somehow. Even if I don't agree with something, somehow that element of truth is relevant. Otherwise, it wouldn't show up in, in this dynamic. So I think that's a really beautiful, beautiful explanation. Um, now, piggybacking on everything that you just shared, I want to dive into Mason Taylor's perspective on activating human the human health blueprint. What does that mean for you? What does that look like for you? Um, maybe not even just for you, but if you were advising somebody or you were sharing a message with anybody else out there, what are some of the principles that you're working from? Yeah, okay, so nice coming from that context. I can very much just um, share with conviction um, my opinion <laughs> without it. Absolutely. Without it. Yeah. Um, look, uh, I... It, it, to tell you the truth, it comes back to uh, again. It's going to be quite basic. Um, I if I if I'm going to put into something that's more like nuts and bolts for me personally, and what I see work with people the most is um, let's go to hydration first. Mm-hmm. I mean, like you know, getting someone in. Okay, so not only getting someone onto spring water, but giving someone at least once. I always encourage people at least once to go out and collect their spring water from a fresh spring, so they can have the experience not just of the hydration and the effect, but the connection with that um, with, with that living thing that is water itself and to go and actually allow yourself to feel that and collect it, drink it, drink a lot of it. Um, I've recently experienced being on the road and kind of got like what I felt to be dehydrated for the first time when I just like couldn't get access to spring water and have been back on it now that I'm back up in Byron Bay and I can go and collect from the spring and have been just absolutely loving about, you know, two and a half liters before I'm eating anything or drinking any tonics or anything at the start of the day, um, hitting that water and making it, uh, um, a practice within my day that I'm drawn to because I've got my particular special little glass that's mine in my culture, in my habitual nature. I'm always looking for that glass because I've got it in me. I enjoy like looking at it. I enjoy the interaction with it. And uh, that ensures that I'm consistently and constantly drinking water. And that's just something very basic that, you know, when I'm mentoring people and it's just like, where do we start? And I start there and it's like, okay, yeah, it's a bit bit basic. And it's just like, oh, let's just go with it and see how basic it actually is and watching what unlocks in someone when and activates within someone when all of a sudden there's cellular matrix and inner cellular matrix, extracellular matrix, all of a sudden the electricity's back thanks to also to a little bit of sea salt being popped in that water and watching the function that happens happens in the flow that happens when toxins begin to get mobilized within that water and a juicy hydration of the brain occurs once more. That's definitely an absolutely critical principle for activating health, in my opinion. Beyond that, the like simply, you know, it's a, I, I find it, you know, these, these conversations have been, you know, rehashed so many times about like the basic elements, but hey, we're just going to keep on hitting them because there's always new people who are going to want to, who are going to be tuning in, right? And possibly haven't heard this before. And I've kind of come to really uh, come to peace with that. 
you know, because, you know, talking about something as simple as air and breathing right now. I also, when I talk about breathing and breath, I, um, I kind of don't tend to talk about a, uh, a breath practice such as pranayama so much. I see that that kind of has, um, you know, offer, you know, without going into the philosophy, you see there definitely is a progression from, from a Western perspective. A lot of the time, it's just seen as a habit that you should be doing and you'll get better at it. But it, there's kind of no end to the tunnel. There's no progress. But, you know, I know that there is actual physiological progress that happens and unlocks. And if you can actually go through into the process of, say, releasing tension from around your organs and around your spine and get some fluidity there and start to, uh, say, on a hard surface, breathe deep down into your organs, especially deep down into your genitals and your sex organs, um, allow that breath to come out from the side and not just be a breath that comes out through the ribs, but you feel and experience the fascia in and around your spleen and liver actually expanding and pushing. It takes it beyond just a gross visual um, bit of feedback for you, but you must feel it. You must feel your liver and your spleen moving and then eventually allowing that movement to go down into the kidneys and in the back there, that kind of, once you start to progress in that and release the tension from the fascia and the muscle in that abdominal system and you actually invite that consistent rhythmic um, you know, that, that kind of breath when we look at martial arts masters and yogis that are sitting there looking very chilled, very observant, they've got a swagger in their step because there's no tension and they're consistently moving their organs with their, with their breath. That, that level of that, that activation for me, I've like, I'm, I'm sure you come back to it as well, full circle, consistently, consistently back to that place, understanding the depths of what is actually possible when we consistently stay in that place of allowing our breath to permeate our organs and move the fascia that surrounds them and shapes them. I am always going to come back to the sun. I am always going to be doing work to bring greater distinction for people who are experiencing the dregs of, say, what we had in here in Australia is the slip, slop, slap campaign where you slip on a shirt, um, <laughs> slap on a hat, slip, slop, and, well, slip, slop on the sunscreen and then slap on the hat. Wow. That's like wow. the, that's the um, you know they call it skin cancer, our national cancer, and <laughs> I um, you know I I I used to come at that quite angrily. You know I kind of like went from one side of the fence to the other, and um, you know a statement which I still stand by. I'd say a lot is the sun doesn't cause cancer, and I don't think it does. However, I need to have some little bit more um, compassion. I feel for when that's been approached from a purely linear intellectual place because it's very hard for a lot of people to get that feeling of all of a sudden how obvious it is that the sun does not cause cancer. And of course, we can go into that conversation of the petrochemicals and oils that we ingest, um, that we put on our skin, um, getting blocked within our dermal layers and becoming rancid and causing those blockages that causes the cells to die and eventually leads to cancers. Um, I don't know. There's just like that. It's maybe it's not a sexy enough way to talk about it. Maybe I got bored with talking about it that way. I uh, very much enjoy watching the experience um, unfold in people as they simply learn to begin to say clean their skin 
just the way that they would clean their teeth as something habitual and something which is a joy to experience. And I always use the example of when I tell people, I'm like, if you haven't experienced really clean skin in a while, you're not going to notice the congestion there. It was like when I was in Colombia and there were manicure pedicures happening. It was seven Australian dollars. And I was like, oh, I'll get a mani-pedi. Never had one before. And, um, I can't tell you how good my nails <laughs> felt afterwards, man. <laughs> like, I was like, there was a lot of crap in there. There was a lot of gunk. And th- this, again, people will bypass this kind, of, um, see, this kind of thing in their life and move into the details and move into the advanced, like the very advanced um, aspects of, um, of nutrition. But I remembered that experience just like I remembered when I did my first week cleaning my skin like every day for seven days with a vodka bicarb scrub using a loofah. Very simple. Most people in the health realm world know it. Um, And experiencing. An experience I will never forget it's embedded there. Not like it's embedded the first time someone told me the, the sun doesn't cause cancer. I can't remember that. So it's it's irrelevant to me. It wasn't it, it wasn't personal enough at the time. Some 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 things um, work, like you know, for example, first time I don't know, you know, first time I was told told about you know, like say like you know, the reality of what the planet is as a living being. Like I remember that it was very significant for me. But it's only because I had an experience, and it was an experience that my whole body lit up for. And then watching what happened to my body as I went outside and had a deeper understanding chemically about what was going on as I built my base tan, and actually for the first time really feeling that metaphorical um, idea that I'm really putting, you know, seeds in my food bank here. I could really feel that strategy come up, you know, that, that reality, that ancestral memory of, you know, roll with the season when the sun's on, get out there, let the heart mm-hmm. feel what the appropriateness is of the time of day and how long, and but you get out there and get those Ds in, support your body to actually transmute that light into chemical matter and into melanin, cultivate that, and literally watch yourself surf the waves of winter and experience there's actually a a skip in your step where before there wasn't, when you didn't actually have that full-on intention. That activated me like crazy because I experienced something deep. And all of a sudden now, when the sun comes up in the morning, I've got a very, very interesting and intimate connection with the experience of what it's like to connect with that being. Mm-hmm. So that's where mm-hmm. the enchantment comes up for me. And that's what I, that's where I think I, like I'm at. That's what I'm doing. I'm out there just actually dancing and weaving with these elements. And then with the food, man, can of worms. I am so on board right now for myself personally, just ensuring that I have enough DHA and EPA in my body. And I think that's going to be consistently a, um, a topic to bring up and talk about because you know inflammation is just a, such a such a high rate systemic inflammation and I like what they do to ease that burden. Um, you know, it, it's I, I don't know if you've found it like as a gen, in out there talking generically about wild foods. For a lot of people, it just doesn't translate. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess that's why we have we, we had the superfood culture emerge. What now has um, brought me into like the way that I will talk about my foods is I don't like making too many dramatic changes in someone's diet unless they're working with me and they've got something debilitating or if they've got a disease 
then I'll take some dramatic steps with them. And we'll actually get into a place where there is consent, proper consent to go, tell me what to cut out, tell me what to bring in. And, and I'll make sure that they are very much at the source of um, the intention of that. However, in a general sense, I like to simply bring the number of levels from, say, the production of food, um, harvesting of a food, killing of a food, connection to the environment where that came from, and simply shortening that line. That's that, like, you know, it, it comes back and that just that literally looks at like, say, like foraging your own food, growing your own food, going to a market, um, creating a little co-op or a community. I completely devalued that, to tell you the truth, because I've got such a gung-ho attitude. I'm just like, well, what's the next thing? Now what's better? Now what's the next thing? Mm-hmm. And now I'm, um, I kind of get to the point now where, you know, I've got, I've got friends who go to these very advanced technology conferences around the world. It's kind of like, you know, just checking out what's going on the inside. They happen to have the money.